Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Zach Diamond. I am a middle school music teacher and I'm a Modern Classrooms mentor and implementer. And this podcast is going to be really interesting for me because it's a subject I'm about to learn a lot about because I know very little about it. We are going to be talking about Modern Classrooms in health and PE classes. And I'm joined by two PE teachers up first, we have Janelle Meisenheimer, an elementary PE teacher at the International School of Brussels in Brussels, Belgium. Hi, Janelle. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Awesome. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast. I'm also joined, we are also joined, by Sarah Gershon, who is a health and PE teacher at Deerfield High School in Deerfield, Illinois. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast, Sarah uh, before we get started with the topic, I want to just give you both an opportunity to introduce yourselves a little bit more, give our listeners a sense of how long you've been teaching, how you came to Modern Classrooms, and where you're, where you're at now with Modern Classrooms. So Janelle, why don't you go first? Uh, this is my ninth year uh, being international. I've been in Dominican Republic, UAE, and now Brussels. And how I got connected with Modern Classroom Projects is... Uh, we have teacher coaches at our school, and I was feeling a little bit stagnant and flat with formative assessments. And one of the coaches, Sybil Hall, mentioned uh, Modern Classroom Project, and I just went down the rabbit hole of the, you know, free course and <laughs> podcasts and everything like that. And it's it's been amazing ever since. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, you mentioned the free course. I guess this is an odd time to plug the free course, but the free course is full of great resources. I even go in there for reference sometimes. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that. And of course, the free course is linked down in the show notes. And of course, I appreciate the love for the podcast too. So thank you, Janelle. Um, Sarah, how about you? Introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about how long you've been teaching and uh, and your MCP journey. This is my 13th year teaching. I teach health and PE. Um, I discovered Modern Classrooms right at the beginning of quarantine. I was listening to Cult of Pedagogy, and I heard Kareem talking about how to make a great screencast. And I knew that I was going to have to learn how to do that as we went into remote learning. And um, I did the free course. I did the mentorship program. Actually, Kareem was my mentor, which was really cool. Oh, and wow. Cool. I am, yeah, I am now... Um, a mentor, and I learn from my mentees every single day. It's just great. Yeah, that's what we always say on this podcast. Everyone who has ever been on this podcast is, <laughs> who is a mentor has said that, that we learn more than the mentees do, right? It's, it's so cool to see other teachers doing their thing and, and learn from them. Um, well, let's dive into it. Let's dive into it. Like I said, I, I know very little about teaching physical education, and I I guess I want to stand on my soapbox just for a moment and say that a lot of times music or arts and PE are kind of lumped together into into specials. And my ignorance to the world of health and PE should be the uh, should be an indication of how inaccurate that lumping together really is. Um, and so I'm excited to to learn a little bit more here. Um, I want to start off 
with having you just describe what you would consider to be like a normal day in your class, just to get a picture of what it's like to, to teach and be a student in your class. I think a lot of people have this idea of what most PE classes are like, but I'm wondering how you've integrated modern classrooms into that. You know, we have this blended learning, self-paced and mastery-based model, which is not what I imagine when I imagine a PE class in a gym. Um, so could you just sort of describe a normal day in your class and help us to imagine what it's like, what your modern classroom is like? Um, in you know, every school is a little bit different um, when it comes to PE. In at my school, we work very hard to teach skills and games and rules, but we also um, teach fitness principles and our students, um, we do formative and summative assessments when it comes to our content area, the different units that we teach. For example, I teach sophomore PE and we teach the fit principles. We teach CPR and first aid. And for each unit, if we're in a games unit, the rules of the games. So it makes it much easier to present content through instructional videos that we post into our LMS. We use Schoology so that students have an opportunity to learn the content because when they show up for class, we just want them moving. We start off with um, what we call an enhanced movement warm-up. It's the same warm-up. Everybody does it. And then we get to the business of whatever the unit is. But some days, for example, if we have a late start day and classes are a little, the class period is shorter, then that's a great time for them to do an instructional video, work through some content, and then take a mastery check. So it really depends upon what the unit is that we're doing and the day of the week. So is there time built into your classes to watch instructional videos? I. Uh, each week we have that late start day. So I usually use those days. Oh, okay. um, or I if see. let's say we're doing a cardio day on a cardio day, students um, are required to get 20 minutes in their target zone. We use heart rate monitors. And if they complete that and they have an, another assignment to do, they can use class time to get that done. It, it's a different balance than a normal classroom because we want them moving, you know, and, and participating in the activity. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Janelle, how about you? Could you describe like a normal day in your modern classroom? Yeah. Uh, so with elementary, it's a little different, a lot of skill development and concepts and finding the commonalities to transfer their knowledge easier. So there's a lot of routines in place to get them comfortable to access the classroom uh, for them and a normal day is them coming into the gym like screaming because they're super excited which I'm used to and I'm okay with but uh, yeah. they run they run and they check the TV because on the TV I have my slides of the lessons and they just check you know goal of the day what lesson they're on and then checking the pacing the pacing board um, because it depends on the unit, if it's group or individual or sometimes even class with pacing. And then after that, they check the warm up. It's either a game that they know so they can practice a little bit of that hidden curriculum of organizing each other, positive communication, uh, listening to each other, 
And then if it's a warm up that I want them to get a little extra practice in a skill that I know that will be challenging for them, there might be a QR code to quickly teach that warm up or just some images with some text if it's a simple one. After warm up, we have a quick uh, check in with Miss Janella, as we call it, and go over the on pace lesson. Um, and then uh, I have five PE iPads, and so they'll scan the on pace lesson with their mini group. And the cool. yeah, so uh, so I make sorry, so then I make my videos and put them and make them as QR codes. And then uh, there's some printouts with the behind pace lesson to the left of the TV, and then a printout of the ahead of pace lesson to the right of the TV. So it's like that kind of timeline in order, the good visual for them to see. And they know to just go for it, um, kind of where they are at with the pacing. There, I have a cart with many whiteboards and markers in it for note taking or organizing or drawing if they need to draw something out. Um, also, if there's organizing or creation that needs to be involved, uh, those whiteboards are there as well. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of some of the layers in a nutshell of a day <laughs> in my class. <laughs> That's that's really, really cool. I like the idea because you said you have five iPads and my yeah. first thought was like, oh, that's not enough. But then you said that you have the kids grouped together. That's actually a really great solution to that problem. Like you can group them by the lesson that they're on. Yep. That's that's really cool. So, I mean, it, obviously it sounds like kids are moving in, in both of your classes, which is obviously the point of a PE class. You know, I talked about this when I hosted the episode a few weeks ago on performing arts. Um, there's this myth that kids are just sitting around watching videos in a modern classroom. And that myth is clearly not true because, you know, Sarah, you said that these kids have heart monitors on. And they have to have 20 minutes in their peak zone, right? So they can't just be sitting there looking at their Chromebooks or their iPads or whatever. Like kids are doing stuff. They're getting up and moving around based on what they see in the videos. So I, I like to hear, and you sort of touched on this too, Sarah, um, when I asked you about time for, for watching videos, but can you describe in more detail how you structure the class so that the kids can see the videos and learn from the videos, but then like do all the stuff that they, that they do in a PE class, the moving and the running and the jumping and the playing and all that stuff. Like how do you structure all of that into a class period or into a unit? And I guess also related to this question is what sorts of things are you teaching in those videos that they can then get up and do? Like are they practical skills or are they rules of games or are they academic content? Or like how do you use those videos to get kids up and moving? Honestly, for me in the Modern Classroom Project, they're more active because one, to talk about engagement and activity – I think people get stuck on that activity is the moving part of class, but I like to kind of call it more there's the contact planning and connecting engagement activity. And then there's like the moving applying activity part of it. So they're all engaged. They're always active with each other. And with the videos or the step-by-step -step images, I find that they're faster than a teacher just lecturing up on top and it feels more personal for the kids. They're, you know, organically collaborating and organizing themselves. So they're, you know, getting up faster, getting into the activity faster, and then they're engaged in the physical activities longer. And during that time, I'm either maybe doing last second setups because I think of something else, um, 
because of how they are that day. And I'm like, oh, I should add this instead. I'm checking in with, with groups. I'm going over any um, mastery checks. Uh, and they start when they're ready and they don't have to wait for others. So also, if it's a class activity, I have it set up like it explains it in the instructional video of how to set it up in waves or like phases. So they they know. So meaning there's like organizing tips for them, like quick at the end of the instructional video. So it might say, like, are you the first group done? Uh, split yourselves and the next group that comes split them as well. So then you start adding like to the groups or something, for example, something like that. Because my instructional videos are two to five minutes. And I was realizing when, you know, I was more up front, I was talking more than two to five minutes because, you know, a kid wants to tell you a story or or they get distracted and they start like dribbling something <laughs> and you're like, hey, just a second. Um, so the instructional videos are two to five minutes and, you know, the kids are asking each other's questions. They're pausing. They're taking notes. So it's taking only that time and the videos are either of activities or how to skills or concepts. And it's all my, you know, like awesome stick figure drawings <laughs> with uh, explain everything. Uh, my kids always joke like, oh, Mr. Dell, you need to work on your drawing. I'm like, OK, guys, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> and it also might they might have some examples, like I said, how to organize like that hidden curriculum or mastery checks or and I'm doing it with sometimes with screencastify as well yeah that's awesome I really love the way that you've kind of like integrated the the routines and structure of your class into like the content and also the physical space like that idea of putting the papers on the sides of the of the tv and then like having in the video an option for the first group that's finished that just seems so integrated to me that's very cool and uh yeah the kids love to roast my handwriting in my videos so it's not it's not just you <laughs> Sarah, how about you? I, one thing that Janelle said really um, resonates with me as well. And that is, you know, when you're trying to corral 30 to 35 students and make announcements at the beginning of class so that you can actually then get them going, um, it's so much easier to post an instructional video that they can watch that explains, for example, you're starting a badminton unit. You've got to explain how do we set up the nets? Where do you find all the stuff? So you can just make a video demonstrating, here's how you set up the nets. Here's how you put the nets away. And they can just watch that. And, you know, then it makes it so much easier to get class started. Um, same thing with things like the, the rules of badminton, for example. It's a great way to present the rules so that, they watch the video, then you can do a mastery check on the rules of the game. They show up and it makes it much easier just to get the game started. I, I just to add on to that, I've also done that with safety. So we had our parkour gymnastics unit and the first day was a video on safety with the equipment and then it had embedded questions in it. And they had to pass it to then therefore go to the on pace lesson to just start it because those safety like lectures were taking so long. And then this quiz with the questions and, you know, then coming to me and going over it real quickly was so much faster just to kind of add on to that with like rules of a game or safety, different ways to use the instructional videos. Yeah, I, I'm actually working with 
um, a mentee right now who's teaching strength and conditioning and thinking about, you know, the weight room and how do you introduce the safety procedures in the weight room and how to clean up and stack weights and strip bars and put everything back. It's that kind of information that we can present in an instructional video and you make sure every student knows that that information, it just makes the whole entire class run so much uh, more smoothly. Yeah, this makes perfect sense. And it's sort of a good transition to my next question, actually, because I like the idea of uh, like using mastery checks to make sure that kids know the safety things that they need to know, because it's kind of like if you don't pass this mastery check, you cannot do the next activity, right? Um, like with weights. And so I was going to ask you about your mastery checks, actually, because um, I'm curious, like for for mastery checks, I guess for safety based mastery checks, I can sort of imagine just a written quiz or something. But maybe I'm wrong and you'll correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm also wondering, like, do you have kids draw like plays in a sports game or do you have them record themselves doing things or like what what do your mastery checks look like? And does it vary by the type of content or I guess just talk about how you implement mastery checks for the different kinds of things that you teach? Uh, mastery checks in my class vary depending upon what we're what we're teaching. Some of the mastery checks are Google Forms, like checking rules of a game. But I also have used mastery checks where they have to record themselves doing an activity. Um, for example, if we're teaching yoga, then maybe you would ask a student to record themselves doing sun salutation A, and that then they can demonstrate that they know what those poses are and the, you know, how they go. So it really depends upon what the unit is. How would you have them submit that recording? Um, Through Schoology, the learning management system that we use. Okay. Janelle, how about you? What do your mastery checks look like? Um, Yeah. Also it it varies with, with uh with the units so for example we're in a invasion game units with my upper elementary students and those are more either uh, teacher observations with checklist or um, some video analysis so i'll take a video of some teams playing with each other put it on seesaw and then they get on their own ipads because they have their iPads, I just don't have them bring them every time. And then they'll do a quick little video analysis of the goal of the day of whatever skill or concept it is. Um, if it's that teacher observation checklist, like what I've done with striking and fielding uh, unit as well with upper elementary, it just kind of shows the kids that are, are learning is ongoing. So the mastery checks are kind of ongoing. It's it's more like these are the mastery checks for the unit and everyone learns differently and has been exposed to different activities throughout their life. So maybe some of you are going to nail these mastery checks with these skills the first couple days. But some of you might get this one on one of the last days because you needed more time with it. So with those, with those type of mastery checks, almost they're self-paced as well because of trying to meet the kids where they are and trying to help them get to the end of the unit with those. And then I've also done like with the parkour gymnastics, like that safety quiz I talked about, but also they made a video portfolio of some of their favorite mastery checks of their skills of doing like a vault or something like that. That's really interesting. Like 
they're actually doing the sport. I think that's really cool. You just get to see them yeah. doing the sport, but like you don't have to necessarily be there. Like you can grade them later, or if they have the means, I guess they could record it from not in class, right? And so it's more accessible. Yeah. Um, what about like a similar thing, but for a group sport? Like if they're playing soccer or something and you want to see a group execute a play, are there mastery checks on that? The only time it's been group for me is more in our first unit that I do with the students. It's called Me, We, and PE. And it's a identity centered unit and it's on collaboration, communication in the spirit of the game. Oh, okay. It's still some it's still somewhat individual because it's you and your groups, but it's also how is your group working out together? How's the teamwork in your group? And so those are more mini group mastery checks and it will be more kind of think, pair, share, and give yourself kind of a mastery check if you did it or not just to get them in the groove of PE and modern classroom project and these mastery checks and kind of the identity of who you are in a team. Yeah. A lot of what I do is just really their individual knowledge, if that makes sense. But I'm my, now my brain is like, Oh, for team sports, what could we do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I guess like mastery in a certain sense, is individual, right? Like you, you need to assess yeah. every individual student. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah. what's the individual contribution to a team activity, right? I, I don't know. Right. Anyway, cool. Um, so let's let's talk about self-pacing. Y- you know, as I was thinking about this question, I was thinking really about group activities like team sports, which I imagine probably do pose a unique challenge for self-pacing. But I'm also hearing that there's more of a blend of individual and group activities than I was originally thinking. So I'm interested to hear both of you describe a little bit how you structure the self-pacing in your classes. Yeah. Well, at least for us at the high school level, I'm thinking about like the application for my class with self-pacing, you know, here we are in this particular unit, then you, you need to get through all of the materials by the end of the unit. It's a lot different from in a classroom. You know, we did, we did skills and drills. So they had to demonstrate, yes, they could cradle a ball. They could cradle a ball and run. They could cradle a ball and pass. So they had to demonstrate that they could do that after watching the video. And that was more like in class, I'm observing them and then marking that, yeah, they got that skill. So then when we played, then it's the, the whole class broken up into teams and then they're playing. Oh yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. It's sort of like a, a like a science class building toward a lab or something, or like a, um, like a music class building towards a concert or something like that. It's like a big thing at the end. Yeah. Janelle, how about you? Could you tell us about how you structure self-pacing? And, and I guess, again, like I, I'm asking this question because I was imagining kids playing team sports, but it's obviously a a broader question than that. So how do you structure self-pacing in your class? Like what I described earlier with the behind pace, on pace, ahead of pace, and like a timeline for them to see, and they have the iPads and can scan. That works really well with more individual, either units like parkour, gymnastics, uh, the fundamental movement units, or if we are building two more game like situations and it's more individual skills. Uh, but once it gets more to the games with 
you're, you know, you're more in groups. Um, there's also, I do some, some pacing with levels. So there's progress in the levels. Um, cause we talk about in the class that, you know, we're all exposed to different things, whether it be because of culture or, um, what our families have done growing up or what they enjoy doing or what we've seen on TV or what our friends are doing and what we get involved in. So our kids are always all over the place with skill and knowledge. So then if there's progress in the levels as well, like level one, level two, level three, the kids kind of know where they're progressing with something. For example, because we're doing invasion games with upper elementary, level one would be pressure defense. So defense is not stealing it. And then level two would be stealing defense. So that way, if the goal of the day is I can combine passing, dribbling, and shooting in a small, you know, game-like situation. Maybe they're finding more success in level one, or maybe they're finding more success in level two because they've been exposed to it more. So they can just kind of pace themselves that way with the challenge of it in those levels as well. Oh, cool. That's very cool. Again, it feels very integrated. Like it's all sort of like part of the class. That's very, very cool. Um, how about the physical layout of your class space? Like the the physical routines that your students have. I'm personally I'm imagining a gym. I might be wrong. You mentioned a pool also, Sarah, so that expanded my horizons a little bit. Um but yeah, I, I guess PE, whether or not it's a gym, has very different spatial considerations from more traditional classes and from more traditional modern classrooms too. So I'd like to hear about how you organize your spaces to facilitate your modern classroom. For you know, a lot of schools have different gym spaces or different spaces where their classes meet. For example, you may have a weight room or a pool, or um, a, like what we call the perk. PE Resource Center has cardiovascular equipment. It's got room for stretching. Um, our perk has room um, for students to sit and do work. So that lends itself really well to um, doing some instructional videos, mastery checks, skill practice. If if we're, in, say, in the perk on a cardio day, then students can bring their Chromebooks. They can sit once they finish their 20 minutes and go through the video on, you know, the fitness principles. So for me, it just depends on what unit I'm in and what gym space I'm assigned to. If I'm in the pool, say when we did water polo, there's deck space with bleachers, but really there's a, you got to worry about water and computers. So um, on a late start day where we didn't get in the pool because the class period was too short, then that was a day that students could really work on um, instructional videos because we weren't dressing for PE. Sure. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of, like, it's a very diverse use of space. You have lots of different kinds of spaces. It's really interesting. Yeah, uh, it is. And, and at my school, a lot of times our gym spaces will get taken away. If there's a chorus concert or something else going on, there may be a day that we don't have our gym space. So we've got to adapt. You have to be able to adapt, yeah. Yeah. And then spring and fall, when we're in school and the weather's nice, we're going outside. Right. So we, a lot of, a lot of the learning may actually happen outside of class, depending upon the time of the year 
do we have your gym space? There, there's a lot of uh, factors to consider. Sure. Yeah, that sounds really complicated, actually. <laughs> um, no, but it, it's really cool. And I always see kids at my school going outside for PE, which obviously you'd want to do, right? Because if you want to, if you have a soccer field outside, you want to go outside and play on the soccer field. Um, I, I, I'm. It's just interesting to me because, like, I imagine the the self pacing that happens in my class is it's. I mean, it's very self-paced, like kids are all doing different things, but the space is really dedicated to what it's dedicated to. Like kids sit at their desks to watch the videos. Sometimes they get up to collaborate. Sometimes they walk over to me or why I walk over to them. But like the space is, is very like segmented and, and it's used for what it's used for. And so it's interesting that you would have a class in which the space wasn't really uh, like a given like that where you couldn't take it for granted. Janelle, how about you? How do you use the physical space and the physical routines in your class? You've already talked about this a little bit, but I'm curious to hear more. Yeah. I feel a little bit luckier with elementary. They don't bump us around as much because international schools are little, little, little kids up to grade 12. Um, but we do have to be pretty flexible in rotating. Like we have a two week rotation between the tennis bubble um, cause the weather is like really cold, gray and wet. So we have a tennis bubble and the gym can be split in two with a curtain. So it's like this two week rotation. So I just have go to movable pieces. Um, I have this, like just an Ikea cart that <laughs> like the top shelf has, you know, cards or printouts. If it's a mastery check that day with more of a printout and pencils, and then the middle shelf is like the whiteboards and markers. And then the bottom shelf is for my social emotional learning spot. And it has our like kind of class mascot, Barry the Frog, or, you know, the kids thought of the name and like love this frog. I don't really get it, but it's hilarious and I go with it. And Barry has, you know, a conflict resolution mind map and has what to say if you're winning and what to say if you're losing um, and things like that. And it, he's on a yoga mat and you can go hang out with him. Um, so you could just move that around. And I have a whiteboard, like a bigger, a bigger whiteboard that I take around with me that has some resources, like how to take notes, what to look for in the videos. If it's a skill, look at the upper body, the lower body, the posture. If it's a concept, how is the game set up for that concept? Like how to take notes and break it down and the learning timeline is there. Um, but yeah, just think, I don't know, just pieces like that with the TV, like I said before, with the slides are up on it. and then. Also on that whiteboard I forgot is the the pacing where they sign it. So if it's more individual, like that parkour gymnastics, and they can sign their initials if they're on pace, behind pace, ahead of pace, and then they can find kids in their class and collaborate similar skills with them. Or if it's group, they sign their group. Like if they have a team manager, they sign the team manager's name on pace behind pace and we joke like behind pace for now and and mm. just like classroom culture like that as well yeah yeah no i mean that's all really cool it, even if you are still more or less in the same space it sounds like the the use of space is still very dynamic right like things are moving uh -huh. around um more than what i feel like happens in my class and i think that that's really interesting it's like it's actually very conducive to a modern classroom in pe because it's like 
Sometimes you're actually moving. Sometimes you're learning something. Sometimes you're learning a, a concept that's not movement-based. And so a lot more pivoting, right? Uh, that, that's really interesting. So, yeah, in a total 180 from that question, I'd like to ask you about distance learning um, and remote teaching. I don't know. I'm, I'm still teaching remotely to some of my students. And um, so I, I, like, I think that PE is probably one of the toughest subjects to teach remotely. I, so how, how did you manage to do that? And did you use any elements of modern classrooms to facilitate that shift? I know I definitely did, but I'm curious to hear from the PE perspective. I will have to pass this question on to Sarah because I've been pretty lucky and haven't had a lot of remote learning um, over here in Brussels. So we had a little bit, but I think our school was trying their best to get organized. And it was kind of day by day situation when it all first hit. So, All right. Well, Sarah, take it away. Um, we, we met as a department. Um, over Zoom, and we came up with some strategies for how we were going to engage our students every day. Because here in Illinois, PE meets every day, and it is a requirement. So we came up with some different things that worked really well. For example, we met with our students on the Zoom at the beginning of every class, and then they might watch an instructional video with the content. We posted different lessons into Schoology. Maybe there was an article for them to read or a video for them to watch. There was some way that they had to be accountable for what they were doing. Um, for example, in my class, some days we did yoga together. I led a yoga class over Zoom or we did a video or I said, Today is an independent workout. You have choice of what to do. And when you're finished, I need you to submit proof that you, you did your activity. So it might have been somebody went out for a run. They have an Apple Watch or the, the fitness app on their phone, and they did a screenshot with the date, and they would upload oh, that screenshot. That's a good idea. Um, yeah, we had a lot of teachers doing that. Or if students had access to weights, they had to record themselves doing, say, three different exercises or um, like um, body weight exercises. They had to record that and submit it. So the, we got very creative. Trying to hold students accountable during remote learning was very hard. But I think a lot of students appreciated the time that they knew they got to get away from their computers, go outside, get in a workout. Um, I'm very fortunate. I live in the neighborhood where I teach. So I would see my students going for a run or walking their dog. Um, and I, I, I truly believe that the way we structured it during remote learning was beneficial. Did we grab every student? No, um, but we we got really creative in the ways that we covered content and presented information. Yeah, that's very cool. I don't I don't think any of us grabbed every single student. I think that it was, you know, it's not unique to PE that it was a difficult time for teachers um, and students. But I, that is really creative. Um, that those are really cool solutions. Yeah. So we are we're almost out of time. Um, 
and I, I feel like my mind has been like totally expanded here. Uh, what my idea of a PE class was has changed. Um, I'm imagining kids doing different things now. I guess just to to close this out, could you both offer a piece of advice to a PE teacher who is considering MCP, something that maybe you wish you knew when you started MCP? Maybe this PE teacher is hesitant to try it out because they don't think that the structure is compatible with PE. What would you suggest to that teacher or maybe to your past self who is curious about trying out MCP but maybe a little bit apprehensive? I think my first piece of advice is to be to challenge yourself to take a risk. And, you know, we as teachers want everything to be perfect all the time. But it's okay when it's not. Um, Start small. Maybe start with one unit or two weeks and just give it a try. And I can tell you that students appreciate having the content in front of them when they want to access it. And they have more flexibility and more freedom for how they're going to accomplish um, a task. So give yourself permission to take a risk. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very common uh, piece of advice from lots of different modern classrooms teachers is like start small, maybe like start with a unit or start with just one component of the model. Like you don't have to do the whole thing all at once. You don't have to dive all the way in. I think for me too is kind of figuring out why you would want to uh, bring in MCP into your classroom. Because if you have that reason and that purpose, I think you'll be more connected to it. For me, I just always want more equitable way of teaching. And I'm always trying to think how I can step away from the center because the classroom is not about me. It's about them. So how can I make them the spotlight? And so when I saw MCP, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is it. This is how to give the atmosphere, a more equitable learning environment and having the kids at the true center of it all. And I think having that action plan um, of maybe like what everyone's been talking about, the little pieces here, like maybe the first unit is videos are only with a warm up. And the second unit is you add in some mastery checks. Uh, The third unit bring in more of the deep of the pacing fourth unit. Uh, I don't know all of that and more videos, something like that. Um, and I think another piece that I had is that a grade six math teacher, the one who showed me this was learning at the same time as me. So it was really great. We met every other week to just kind of check in. How are your mastery checks? How's the classroom culture with the self pacing and we could talk with each other about it. And I'm a PE teacher and she was doing it with her math in grade six, but it's just showing that education is education and we can take all the same pieces to all our classrooms. Yeah. Yeah. That's another really common tip is to sort of have a modern classrooms buddy. You know, I, I also was lucky when I, when I did the training, the modern classrooms training, I had a little cohort at my school and we would meet every two weeks for lunch and just talk about stuff. They were different classes like English, math, my class, music and design, all these different classes meeting together. Um, it's definitely cool to have someone to talk about this stuff with. And Janelle, one thing you said that, that I really like, and, and I have an example of a teacher in my, my department is just to incorporate 
one piece of the model. We have a teacher in our department who teaches mindful movement. It's a really cool class. And she has a lot of content that she wants to deliver to her students, but she doesn't want to lecture to them. So I suggested, hey, try making instructional videos out of your slide decks. And she did. And now she loves it. So she has she has notes for them or they journal while um, they're watching her instructional videos. And she said they really enjoy it. And you walk into her gym space and the lights are down and she's got um, those LED candles all over and it's really calm and zen. And they're laid out on the gym floor watching instructional videos. It's super cool. I, I love it. Like that sounds like an awesome atmosphere where a teacher is knowing their students better too. Like I feel like I know my students better with this model because there's more time with them and there's more time with that, you know, hidden curriculum of the them organizing each other, being like community organizers. More of those life skills come into, you know, having modern classroom in your project with the kids. Yeah. Absolutely right. That's how I feel too. I think that that's, that's the magic of modern classrooms is getting to spend more time with the kids and you know, whatever your class may be using those instructional videos, instead of standing up and trying to deliver your lecture, it's like you get to be a person with them. And and it's definitely, I can imagine in a PE class, like just the sort of informal atmosphere, but still very like focused on the topic. It's, It's a very cool feeling. There's so, there's so much truth to that. You know, it's all about social emotional learning and getting to know our students and in any classroom and finding it particularly in health, you know, the baggage that they walk into your classroom with in a traditional classroom, we didn't have the time to talk to them and really know what's going on with them, be it a PE or a health room or whatever classroom. When you have the time to talk to your students, you know what they're walking in your door carrying and you know If they say to you one day, you know, I'm having a rough day. Is it okay if I, you know, just read my book or whatever? It's okay because we know where they're coming from and what's motivating that. Exactly. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Well, what a fantastic way to close us out. Um, Thank you for that, Sarah. That was really, really nice. Um, I want to thank you both so much for joining me. This was really fascinating for me to learn more about what happens in a PE class because I I clearly didn't, didn't know. Janelle, I want to thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Sarah, thank you for joining me as well. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I hope that we have been able to get some teachers to maybe think about trying the framework in their class. Definitely. I hope so too. Definitely. I think that we have, because you really, you really, close the loop there at the end like it's just such a great model and so i i think that anyone listening especially pe teachers will be like oh yeah i can try that i can try that so yeah thank you both so much for joining me listeners as you know you can find the show notes uh in your podcast app or you can go to podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash 64 for this one and we will be back next week with another episode of the modern classrooms project podcast Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org 
And you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj. That's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Thank you.